Hey guys, and welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, where I interview the absolute best health and wellness practitioners from across the globe to show you what they do so you can do it too. This is because, like you, I did not always feel that health was easy. I tried different diets, exercise plans, but often felt misled by an industry that really thrives on you not getting healthy and always spending money on the next new thing. Because of this, I'm getting bare naked on health and pulling back the curtain to show you that being truly healthy is simple. Wherever you are in your health journey, I want to show you that with minimal effort, you can get maximum results and do what you love. Play with your kids, go for a hike, and crush it in your business all while feeling great. To give a kickstart, I encourage you to go over to BarenakedHealthPodcast.com to access my calendar and schedule a 15-minute call so we can discuss what is your biggest struggle when it comes to maintaining your health. Remember that I'm a holistic lifestyle coach and that the show is really sponsored by you guys. Each of you that works with me that I am able to take on as a client helps me to be able to keep putting out these podcasts for free. So I just want to thank you, each of you, for your love and support. Hey guys, I'm your host, Nick Horowski, and welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, episode number 134. In today's episode, I interview fitness Jedi, Lee Boyce. Be sure to stick around for the end of the show to learn about anatomical outliers, Lee's appreciation for music and the arts, as well as why you need to dig in for the long haul. Alrighty guys, and welcome to another episode of the Bare Naked Health Podcast. And on the line today, I have Lee Boyce, Lee. First question I ask everybody who comes on the show is share with us uh, your health and movement journey up to this point. My health and movement journey up into this point. Well, I guess like I've always been relatively into sports and athletic and stuff like that back when I was in school, going back as far as I could even think really. But um, uh, things got like a little bit more serious in high school, of course, when I was uh, juggling basketball with track and field and a whole bunch of other sports. And I took track and field to university where um, I was a sprinter and a long jumper, and um, I was also studying kinesiology, as that was something that I grew interested in in the senior years of high school, and I took that to university. So, um, yeah, that's basically uh, where that uh, gave me an interest into the whole training world, and uh, doing that after I was uh, done with running and with school and all that sort of thing. And um, so that's where it took me. And from that point on, it's uh, it's really just been – I'm glad that I got the training for, for track and field because it's very, very biomechanically specific. And, um, yeah, it really helped with the stuff that I – the way that I that I teach people with regards to training and, and exercise today. So that's sort, of, uh, that's sort of what brought me into this. And as far as my own personal training as, as for myself, uh, some of the track stuff I try to incorporate. But these days it's more so, you know, strength hypertrophy, um, maintenance more so than anything, though. I'm not really trying to get any bigger or tremendously stronger. You know, it's just, uh, it's just more maintaining and, and trying to last the long haul. Well, one of the things you said there, like, I'm curious how or what have you applied, like you said, with uh, the biomechanics of like the track and field athlete, like, how are you using that, um, like, maybe as an assessment, maybe as a like uh, prescription, like when you're giving exercises, that type of thing? Well, it's more that it's impactful to the way that I will um, uh, explain certain things and understand, have a client get a better understanding of their own bodies and, um, you know, just like connected chains of, of, of muscular activity that have to happen in order to create a, a complex pattern, for example. And 
you know, even just understanding that deficiencies in your running technique usually mean deficiencies deficiencies in certain um, muscle groups that a lot of people will overlook. Like these little things will um, really give you just a sound knowledge of like anatomy and 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 human biomechanics, and that's really what I meant by that, and how I try to apply it to uh, to my my coaching and my teaching. So yeah, like in terms of like the assessment protocols that I use, it's not so much that it's directly into um, I can size everybody up the second that I see them or anything like that. It's it's nothing like that. Um, it's more just uh, the way that I can clearly explain something and properly coach somebody on specific movements or um, give the proper breakdown of what might be going on with them. No, and that makes sense. And I, I like that though. Like you said, you can see, but you still have to watch the movement, but then you're able to see, like if you're watching somebody run, you can see what's not quite working well for them, what changes they need or what you're going to need to add in for them, what uh, whatever modifications you'll need to make, because that's really what it's about is you have to be able to assess the movement pattern first, whatever it is that you're looking at. And it's like, all right, here's the deficiency. What are we going to yep. do about it? Exactly. Exactly. And, um, you know, I think that that's one of the biggest problems in, in, uh, the whole industry right now is that there's so much like cookie cutter stuff and nothing individualized and so many generic programs, for example, that are being sold for, you know, a low price that can do a fair job of getting somebody in shape, implying that they don't have any problems to start out with. Right. But, you know, even an exercise as great as a squat or as a deadlift can be very, very contraindicated for somebody who shouldn't be doing them yet or at all, right? So um, it's um, it's really, really a, a, a tailor-fitted game that we have to play as personal trainers, as people in the industry giving specific feedback to the clients that uh, that they need so that they can get better and, you know, perform well for a long time. And I think that's a big part of it. Like you said, the, you said the long haul for yourself earlier, like the long time, like it's not going to do any good to get somebody on like the cookie cutter program, have them get injured every three months because this doesn't actually fit. Like this isn't working on any of the things that they really need to work on. Uh, so yeah. yeah. Do you have any ideas? Like, cause the whole online coaching space now is just becoming probably saturated. Like yeah. where, where does this need to kind of morph into so that everybody, like the coaches get the best bang for their buck. Like they're, they're still able to help people and make a living doing so. But also, everybody can still be able to afford it and get the proper training that they need. Do you have any ideas on that? Um, well, I mean, personally, what I like to do is I sort of keep – like I train people, I write, and then I do the online coaching as well, right? So that's sort of the order in which it sort of comes as well in terms of where the majority of my work comes from in person and then the next majority comes from my writing work and then the the, the remainder comes from the, the online training sort of uh, – um, program that I do. Now, with that said, I usually prefer to keep a smaller amount of people in my roster when it comes to online coaching. Like I don't have a list of 25, 30, 40 people that I'm working with at the same time, because that's when you have no choice but to do the generic program. Like there's no, there's only so many hours in a day, unless you have like 10 other people working for you as well to give programs. And that's no longer your own words anymore. Right? So um, I, I like to keep like six or under, um, like th th that's the kind of numbers that I like in terms of online clientele. And, uh, as long as I can keep it that small and that sort of, um, intimate like that, then it's, it keeps a very, very, um, 
uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It just keeps it very, very genuine and one-on-one with the clients so that they can get the feedback they need. I'm somebody who's asking for videos all the time so I can assess their lifts and their patterns. Um, I'm giving detailed emails and I'm attaching my own lifting videos to the programs that I create. And so there's the programs might have like 30 videos in them so they can see exactly what I'd like them to do in a demonstration of good form. And, um, you know, like I just, personally couldn't see it done any other way you know i'd feel like i'm totally cheating them if i was to do it any other way and uh that's not some kind of like plea for (laughs) for attention from me here i'm just saying that that's the quality that this kind of stuff because their bodies are in your hands right and so this is the kind of quality that this sort of stuff asks for and demands that you have and that you deliver and if you don't deliver that then are you really doing your job properly and it's a it's a good question to ask so where i see things going Unfortunately, there might be a lot more of this happening where it's the generic programs and make a quick dollar here and there. Um, But hopefully there's also an increase in public understanding and knowledge of of fitness and health and training in the first place. Because with the amount of information that's available, good and bad, at least the good is just as readily available on websites like T Nation or Bodybuilding.com, wherever there are good writers that are putting out free information, that means that the public's got access to good content. So when somebody who's fairly informed wants to come forward and uh, sign up for some online coaching, they'll be able to pick and choose a little bit better than, you know, just saying, oh, this person's a fitness person and he looks good and he has a program for 30 bucks, so I'm going to buy it, right? So that's sort of what my hope is and what uh, I'd like to see. And I'm trying to sort of put my own drop in the bucket in terms of what uh, uh, what I can do to help public knowledge get a little bit better just from a layperson's perspective so that everybody can be on a certain level when it comes to how much fitness, general fitness knowledge and what's right and what's wrong they can, they can have. Um, it turns out that my own um, clientele, like the people who usually come after me to do online coaching, um, it's, I would say for the most part, they're very fairly disciplined people who have a background in exercise. And that comes from the crowds that I write for, of course, um, and the different platforms that I write on, uh, you know, like your, your classic T nation reader or bodybuilding.com is going to be somebody who's really into fitness and who's really into lifting and whatever else. And so they're going to be disciplined and they're going to have that good background already, or at least a fair one, uh, where it's just a matter of maybe refining some techniques and then we can go off to the races. But, um, you know, for somebody who's a complete beginner, a, the question is, are they in the good? Are they in a good place to actually do correspondence-based training? And B, if they're not, then should they consider doing it in person? So it's probably the best best choice of all, of course, right? So um, yeah, it's uh, it's a really really uh, potential to be volatile or, or potential to be a little bit dangerous even for you if you do if you're doing um, the online thing with you know the whole generic coaches and all that stuff, the generic program. So. I try to sort of uh, be the be the difference that I want to see in the industry as well. I try to try to act it out myself. So then, do you have your own coach that does programming for you? Or you do your own programming? Oh, I do my own programming. <laughs> it's all I'm my own curious. programming. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, it's, uh, I, I try to do. Um, I try to do you know, eight week sort of like phases or mini phases um, and just keep things interactive where somebody sends me an email asking a question about an exercise. I'm back at them the same day or within the next 24 hours, that kind of thing. Um, you know, email exchanges for videos or, or um, I have instructional videos on YouTube as well. If there's a real specific problem, like for example, um, say someone wants to front squat and they're having trouble with their rack position at the, up top there with a the bar. Um, how, how do you fix that? Well, instead of writing it out in an email or showing another video of me front squatting, I have now like a 
five, six minute explanation of how and why this might be happening and so on. So, you know, I really try to cover the bases and try to think ahead of what people might have common problems with and try to cover it, you know? Well, and that's even, so I wanted to get into this too, because just a lot of your writing too, I've been, I, I, it's been a few years that I've listened to, or yeah, listened to, read read your work on T Nation and stuff then too. Um, So I'm fascinated, like the whole writing process for you, does that come out of, uh, like your workings with clients now, especially cause you've been doing it for a while. So it's coming up with new things. Like, are, are there certain things like, uh, what, what sparks your creativity, I guess is what I'm looking for. Like, how do you find what you want to write about? How do you really get into that whole writing process? Well, um, I mean, it's been a little while now. So with regards to like my actual training articles for different publications, it's, it's a little bit of a combination of them coming to me and saying, hey, can you do a story on this topic? And, you know, there's been a lot of demand for a bench press article, for example. So do you want to maybe tackle something on troubleshooting issues where your shoulders hurt when you bench or whatever it is, right? So there's that where the, the information sort of or the, the, option, the, the option for the title comes to me from the editors um, because the relationship is built over the years and so on. And so they, they have some faith that I can write on certain topics and they'll, they'll reach out to me. Um, But on the other side of the thing, I, I just pay attention to what really and truly I pay attention to a, my own training and also my clients feedback to a lot of the stuff that I do when I'm coaching them, you know? And um, for example, I remember writing an article for teen nation that was called a new take on five things. And these were these five things were things that I had I was completely advocating or completely against at one point in my in my career while I was while I've been doing, been a trainer and um, my opinions changed on them based on exactly those two things how it made me uh, my training how it affected my training and also how my clients had feedback for the exercises when I'd programmed them for them and. Um, you know, like things like uh, posterior shear in, in the glute hamstring raise exercise. And, you know, a lot of people will look at it as a fantastic article, but it's contraindicated for some people who always complain of knee stress when they do it, you know. And so looking into why that is and what kind of things. So is it is it still that bees knees exercise that people sometimes will paint it to be? The real, the real answer is there is no such thing, right? And the person is the per, the person is the thing you've got to be looking at, and not so much the exercise, right? So there's certain things that are going to fit certain people, and certain things that aren't. Um, so with all that being said, like the reason why I'm saying this is because when it comes to uh, choosing article topics, I just try to look for from the broadest perspective from personal feedback and client feedback. You know, how does my body respond to stuff that I like? Or that I say that I like, and how do my clients respond to it being programmed into their own routines? And um, that makes up for that makes for about mm, sixty to seventy-five percent of the content that I always write about. You know, um, I couldn't imagine writing without having that in-person work experience, like just consistently going on. I couldn't imagine stopping working as a trainer in person and only doing like online coaching and only doing um, what's the word? Then only doing uh, fitness writing. It wouldn't feel right. You know, that that feedback that you get to keep you on your toes is the most important thing of the whole of the whole biz, if you ask me. No, and I absolutely agree. And that's uh, I, I see the same thing, like being a physical therapist. It's like I have to make sure that I'm keeping practicing, like working on my manual skills continually, making sure that assessment and like looking like you talked about somebody watching somebody squat or watching somebody run or whatever it is. You have to continually hone those skills uh, to really stay on top of the game to be able to help everybody out as best you can uh yeah one of the things i was quite uh, curious about too so 
this is on your website, like you have your blog versus like the articles you've written. Uh, you want to share with people like the difference there? Because I thought it was a cool kind of take. Like the articles uh, seem more like, okay, here's like the, the tips for this or that. But the blog yeah. is more like getting to know you. I feel like you can get inside your head a little bit more. So you want to share about that, please? Yeah, I sort of like, like <laughs> it took a long time, a really long time because I'm sort of old school with it as well. It took a really long time to get um, that that blog and the way that I set it up to have any sort of traction whatsoever, you know, um, you know, I remember in the first times that I was writing articles on the blog, it was, it was, you know, a very, very low turnout in terms of like attention and, and people even reading it because I, deliberately don't talk about direct training content on the blog when I use it. I don't use the blog for that. I use it for more editorial, very opinionated pieces on stuff that I see around me in the industry and stuff that I see in, you know, just fitness and nutrition and diet and health culture, right? And um, it's just, I don't really know too many other people who do this, who to use that method. A lot of times people will talk about training trading stuff on their blog too and it's just more free articles which is great um so i just wanted to be a little bit different in that way and um, it's also a pretty good outlet to actually get my personality and the, my, my thoughts and the way that i am across to uh to the public who are reading it um and that's sort of my own way of doing that because on my social media i'm one to sort of keep a lot of personal information private it's just the way that i am right i don't really open my entire private life to social media as a lot of people might Right. And uh, for that reason, you know, just be able to put my thoughts out there on a certain topic that I've taken the time to think of, write out properly and and uh, get it out there. It's good. And it also can send a good message uh, or, or a message of at least critical thinking to the people who are reading it and could sort of serve as a breath of fresh air, I would hope, from uh, all the other people who won't say this sort of stuff or who won't bring these things up, you know, and so. So, um, yeah, I always try to sort of think a little bit outside the box or play devil's advocate or just be a little counterintuitive um, with the topics that I do raise on the blog. And they they usually do OK. You know, they, they definitely provoke some thought. And that's all I'm going for, really. So do you have any uh, favorites or ones that you would Hey, if people are looking like, OK, I want to check one or two of these out. Like, where should they go? Any ones that have been really uh, big hits, at least hmm. in, in your mind? Um, well, I can tell you the ones that have done the best in the last year or so. I, uh, I did one um, that was called Your Favorite Training Inspiration is Now a Cripple. And here's what that should and that, here's what that means for you. That's what the title is. Your favorite training inspiration is now a cripple. And here's what that means for you. And it was just talking about, you know, being really hardcore about bodybuilding training or strength training or whatever have you having that mentality that's popularized in fitness culture about going hard and going harder and going harder pushing through pain and so on and um it doesn't really it neglects the ramifications of doing so you know and um you know you see that on tv you see that in a lot of articles you see it on motivational quote posters you see it all over the place in memes and whatever else and um it's a culture that you know especially with the professional sports athletes and so on like these are these are the cultures that it usually applies to but unfortunately members of the general public who have no business thinking this way adapt that thinking as well and it just comes in to hurt them right and so i use the example of a very very famous bodybuilder who's very very well um uh he has a lot of accolades in the bodybuilding world um who unfortunately has had to undergo several surgeries because of the um the mistreatment of his body over the years of really pushing hard really pushing heavy and unfortunately getting injured from doing so right and um it's 
it's a real eye opener and it's something that's really worth thinking about because a bodybuilder's a bodybuilder or a powerlifter or an Olympic lifter or a sports athlete, their goal is not going to be the same as a recreational average person lifter who might want to get strong, big, um, and, and so on. And the reason why is because that bodybuilder has a certain point. There's, there's the competition that he's getting prepared for, this particular competition. An athlete needs to win the Stanley Cup, and it's at the end of this period of time right here. You know, um, a power lifter has a meet that they're going to prepare for and so on. And so it's all or nothing for that time constraint. They're not concerned with what happens when their careers are over when they're, let's say, 40 years old or 42 or however old they are, you know. But we want to be training for the long haul. Just like I was talking about at the beginning of this, we want to be training long term. And that's going to mean making certain decisions of scaling things back or training in a certain way or avoiding a certain method of training, at least for the time being, or just recognizing what your body's capable of today versus how it was 10 years ago, or paying attention to an injury that you get or whatever have you, you know, you just have to have a much uh, different eye towards uh, your lifting and your workouts and so on if you want to be doing this when you're a much older person. And that's sort of what uh, the, the article's opening the, 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 the reader's eyes to or trying to remind them of anyway. And um, yeah, it, it did pretty well. It did quite well, actually, now that I think about it. And um, the other one that I was going to talk about was well, quick called... Quick question off that, if you don't oh, mind. Oh, sorry. What would be your thing right now, like where it's you're almost having to always keep that in mind, like whether it's uh, a previous injury or something that you always have to keep in mind that you don't want it to allow, uh, you don't want to be crippled by it as far as your training goes? Uh, well, I've had a share of injuries myself as well. Um, stuff that uh, stemmed from um, hamstring issues from the track back in the days. And, um, you know, things that led to lower back issues as well, SI joint problems, um, knee issues, and so on. So it's it's uh, it's been... It's been an interesting last couple of years, especially when you're trying to maintain um, levels of strength that you have attained over the period of time, over the course of the years, training well, training with good form and so on. You know, now deadlifting, for example, between the trap bar and the straight bar, between uh, using Romanian style and using conventional style, between using a medium sumo grip and a stance and using a regular conventional stance, all those things factor in huge for preserving, you know, the discs and preserving the SI joint, preserving the health of the spine, especially as a guy who's six foot four with really long femurs, right? Um, I'm not necessarily built to have great leverages over weights. Like there, there are people out there like that. You know, and, and that has to be taken into account, not only for uh, me, myself and my own training, but just as a message to everybody, if you're, if you're not built for this, then you're not going to be great at it. And if you are great at it, you got to be careful. That's the, that's the long and short of it. Um, cause yeah, like a five foot seven guy compared to like a six foot eight guy who, who go and try to do the same lift. One person's probably going to fare a lot better than the other one. If, if not in the short term, then the long term for sure. No, I like that. The, you bring up the point where not only do you have to know your own body, how you are just how you do with things, but you have to know your own body from a biomechanical standpoint, or at least have somebody help you out. Uh, if you're wondering, like, why the hell can't I do this uh, or do this well? It's like, no, we're not all built to do the same thing. Right, exactly. And, you know, it's a subject that I actually uh, do a little bit of speaking about as well as like anatomical outliers, I like to call them where um, just where the weight training world is concerned. It's everybody has, you know, two arms, two legs, whatever, and, and they have like a you know, proper functioning hinge pattern, let's say. But the whole that, that whole standard of thinking that a deadlift must start from the floor 
and not from a raised platform that's four inches high, let's say, or that a squat must be below parallel or else, like, you know, it, it doesn't take into consideration so many things like, you know, what if somebody has really long arms? What if someone has a really short torso? What if somebody has um, a hip socket placement that's completely different on their pelvis than somebody else, right? And all those things will affect your performance. They'll affect your strength. They'll affect your width or sorry, your, um, your performance and your strength. And they're going to prefer they're, they're going to affect just the way the outcome of your, of your results when it comes to your, your, uh, your strength training and your weight training. Um, knowing that making the proper accommodations for your body type, um, again, especially not forcing things once you get past a certain age, I'd like to say like past like the mid twenties when you can't train like you were when you were a teenager, like it's, it's different, right? And you have to make those accommodations, especially if you're not somebody who needs to be coerced into staying in a conventional deadlift for the sake of a, a meet, for example, or having to squat a certain way just because they have this leverage over the weight or whatever for you know uh it, it it's totally it's got to take a little bit more uh i guess just a little bit more deep thinking and long just bigger picture approach to things and if you can do that then it's you're in a good place you're in the right direction so i'm sorry then what was the other article that you wanted to talk about uh on the blog you said so the one oh. that the, had done well and the other one then yeah yeah um this one actually did the best out of any article I ever wrote. And that was called, um, uh, how do you go again? You are, you are, you are supporting the get rich quick schemes of 21 year olds and, uh, it's ruining fitness. I believe that was what the title was. Uh, you're, you're, you're supporting the get rich quick scheme of a 21 year old and it's ruining fitness. Now that is a very incendiary topic and title <laughs> for sure. So the reason why I wrote that or the reason why I chose that as the title was because I was bringing to attention a lot of kind of the stuff we were talking about earlier, a lot of like the gimmicky online fitness trendy people who are out there who are giving a lot of more legit coaches and a lot of more passionate people about the industry a bad name because we're all under the same umbrella, right? Um, so Unfortunately, there's a lot of people who can leverage the internet very, very well and leverage, um, you know, by way of using a good body or by way of using a lot of very suggestive photos that they take and, and so on and inviting people into their private lives a little bit more than the average person will, just real overshares. And these people are getting a lot of followers, mainly for those reasons, because of those that being an open door and because of being um, attractive, you know, and it's incidental to their youth, too, in the sense of a lot of these people are like 25 or under and so on. And they still have very minimal experience in the industry as professionals, but they look good. Right. And um, unfortunately, the masses seem to eat that sort of thing up. And it's got to be brought to somebody's attention what's really going on here, right? Um, there's a lot of people who um, there's a lot of people who follow me who I notice also follow those people, and it makes me wonder what the interest because if somebody's following me, it's got to be for one thing only because the only thing I put out is just fitness information. It's just straight up fitness information. You know, my articles, my blogs, training videos. That's about it. Now, if somebody is following me and like the stark contrast to somebody like that who's going to be doing the selfies and all of those different you know very very sexy photos and all that sort of stuff that's not that's not the type of type of person that i'm that i am that i am so for that reason it makes me wonder like what are the persons what is the followers intention of following somebody like x y and z versus following somebody like myself who is nothing like that right um 
And it would be a good question to have answered because of the fact that I'm sure the answer is more the visual appeal versus actual substantive content, right? And um, that's the only issue. That's the only thing that I was trying to raise about it. You know, like kudos to them for being able to find a way to make fast money and big money doing what it is they do. But at the same time, it is sort of giving fitness a bad name because it's coming under this umbrella of the term fitness when there's nothing to do with fitness on the on the website or on the Instagram feed or whatever, you know? So they're amassing huge followings. And then, you know, later on, they'll launch a product of like $30 for a, a full program or whatever that's the same cookie-cutter generic thing that we talked about. And that's where the problems arise because people aren't really getting the quality that they deserve. That is... Even just there, very well put. Uh, <laughs> no, and it is because, like you said, if you're, I, because I, what made me think of like, okay, going back to college, I could train pretty much however I wanted. I was stressed out to the nines going through school, sleeping a couple hours, like n- not nearly enough, but yeah, I was still strong. I was still lean, like, and didn't really, you could eat a fair amount of food and get away with most things. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> So that's a very interesting way to put that. And like you said, now if somebody you see that is still, hey, strong, looking good, and they're 50 years old, uh, all right, you're going to want to pay attention to them because they're obviously doing something right still too. Uh, so right. I think that's that's a good point. It's like what is their body of work? Uh, not just maybe they've been doing it for a few months and they could take good pictures, but what have they really put out? What have they been doing for the long haul? You know, and that's the that's a question they usually can't answer, you know, and in the article, like I do get pretty aggressive with my opinions on it. Um, I don't call anybody out or anything like that, but I do get pretty aggressive with my opinions on the whole thing, because honestly, it just reflects my own passion for the industry and how much I care about the fact that this is happening in the first place, you know, and um, we can't really blame the we can't really blame the so-called professional as much as we can blame the masses for following this sort of stuff. And it's not that I'm placing blame on an innocent consumer here, but my goal once again is to try and get public knowledge to more of a level where we would look at people like that and be like, no, this is this foolishness. We don't need this at all. You know? And, um, and I'd rather see guys like you interviewed Tony Genelcore, my buddy. And, um, you interviewed, uh, you're, you're interviewing people like, uh, Tony Genelcore, Eric Cressy, people like that. Like let them have that, that, those kinds of numbers when it comes to humongous followings and people who want to learn about fitness and people who respect that this is a true fitness authority who is a leader in the industry and so on you know and um it's not it doesn't have to do with what the person looks like can you imagine if like the the strength coach of the seattle seahawks was shirtless on his website and he was you know what i mean like it just it doesn't even sound right it's not that's not what it's all about here um it's it's got to be more about the content and the information that's being delivered and the quality of that information and content so we've been talking all about fitness here i'm curious like what are some of your uh, just in, well actually I do know one of them. You're a big movie guy, right? Yeah. What are are you a Star Wars guy? Uh, you know what? Last uh, last couple of years is what I've really gotten into it from. 
Uh, I wasn't at all before, but I said, okay, this is 2015. This Force Awakens movie is coming out. Let me brush up on all of it. Let me check it all out, and uh, then I'll be ready for this movie. And uh, <laughs> it paid off, man, because I actually really enjoy The Force Awakens. I can't call myself a Star Wars guy, but I've seen them all. I've seen them all, and um, you know, I respect. I, res- I liked, uh, to be honest, out of those first three from the 70s and 80s, I liked um, the, the Return of the Jedi the most, which I'm sure a lot of people disagree with me on. Uh, but Return of the Jedi was really good to me. And um, when, when I saw The Force Awakens, I was really impressed by it as well a couple of years back. I'll tell you what. I, I, and some people knock like certain in the movies. You know what? I'm still entertained. I'm still going to watch all of them that come out. Like So whatever they're putting out, I'm, st- I'm still drinking the Kool-Aid and loving it as far as Star Wars goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a, it's been a good uh, – it's been a yeah, – because I heard those ones in the 90s. Those ones in the 90s weren't as good as the ones from earlier on, you know? And then they came back with these ones here. Rogue One was pretty good. Um, Force Awakens I was really, really impressed by. And we'll see what happens with Episode Eight. I think the Episode Eight's is going to be pretty good as well. I'm I'm pretty excited about it myself. I think what what part of it is is like the ones in the 90s is this was also the first time they were bringing it back. So I don't know if they stood a chance. Like no matter how good those movies could have like would have been, I everybody still would have compared them so harshly to the originals that came out that I don't know that no matter what it would have gotten good uh good good report from everybody. But yeah. hey, they're stepping it back up so I'm enjoying it so far. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the rest. Well, how about, so going outside of fitness, though, is there anything else that you're just into that you like studying, that you really like doing? Uh, It could be just other forms of health, I mean, or just something that you just kind of geek out on. Um, trying to think, you know. If you want to be honest with me, like I, I have, I have like a, by extension of the theater and the movies and stuff like that. Like I just have a soft spot for the arts in general. If you want yeah. me to be honest, um, you know whether it's. Um, even like different exploring different forms of music even like things like that um you know i'm huge into that sort of thing and um not only not only one genre but several genres you know like uh, by by my own uh history i'm a huge hip-hop head that's my thing but um even seeing where a lot of the productions for hip-hop music is are inspired from you know um that's a lot of like the sampling from old Motown music or the sampling from old jazz songs and the sampling from, you know, even like old school rock music and so on. And just what these producers can do to flip it into a great rap track. It's pretty awesome. You know, um, even like vocals, like the vocal music, like, um, you know, whether it's like, uh, whatever, like, again, I'll say Motown or even things like opera or different, um, Latin American music, like all those different types of, uh, all those different types and genres of music, they, they entertain me and they're interesting to just uh, look further into. And especially when there's talent behind anything, like that's what really draws me to it. Is talent is talent no matter what form it's in, right? And, uh, you know, you can't go wrong. You can get lost looking at a lot of these things because you don't even know where the time goes when you start going down that rabbit hole. And I find myself on YouTube checking out all sorts of stuff, man. So that's, uh, that's, that's where my, my interest lies movies, music, like just the, a lot of the arts, visual arts too, just everything, everything. Now, do you, uh, do you sing? Do you play any instruments, anything like that? Or you just more enjoy listening and taking it all in? Uh, I actually have an instrument background. I, I played um, piano and guitar when I was younger. Um, yeah, when I was, when I was much younger, I did the piano and, um, guitar, I played a little bit further on into high school and so on. But, um, you know, once sports took over, that's what occupied all my time, of course. But, um, you know, I still have a guitar at home and everything like that. And so I still play every now and then just, to just, to fiddle around with it, you know, 
Um, but yeah, no, I've sort of been always musically inclined in some way, shape or form over the years. So, yeah. I don't know what it is about the piano, but that's the one piece of equipment that intrigues me. Like I sure I've sat down at a piano and pressed keys, but that's all I've ever done. But I think if, if again, like my boys are smaller right now, like if they get older and they want to get into an instrument and they start picking anything up, I might want to try and learn it with them more because like you said, like I, I see it like it's just an outlet of, Hey, trying something new, like just learning that whatever it is. Like I've never done something like that before. So I think it'd be fun to just try it out and see. Oh yeah. And you know, it's a foundation instrument as well, right? Like everybody will always say that if you want to learn an instrument, you want to learn to play anything, learn the piano first, because just learning how to read music or learning the octaves and how to just to play along those, uh, the, those scale, it's just, it's the best one if you want to transition into some other instrument later on. And it's, it's actually true. It's really true. That's good to know. Like just if, if it is something that I'm intrigued by to, uh, to, to maybe pass that on to them to see if they'd want to. Uh, is there anything that you notice? Um, or I'm curious, do you work with any musicians then? Uh, hmm. Like for any coaching, anything like that? Right now? No, actually. You know, like uh, it's more, it's more uh, athletes, regular joes like the executive types um yeah a few athletes a lot of executives and uh, i got a couple actors under the belt as well right now so that's that's basically it and uh nobody who's into music though so it's always funny because (laughs) it's always funny because i'll be with like an executive client or something like that who's like let's say 50 years old and he is totally type a personality not really inclined to music or whatever and then some song will be playing over the over the speakers right and it'll be some song that's so whether it's like any genre you know some song will be playing and then i'll be like trying i'll be trying so hard to get them to understand why i like this song so much like oh my god do you know that do you do you hear the time signature on this song like this song is on a six eight that's not normal for a hip-hop song don't you get it you know and they're just like sort of just like blankly nodding along like oh yeah no that's I, exactly I what, what i would be doing right now i have no <laughs> idea you know and i'd be i'd be really trying to get them to understand the technicalities of what makes this song so great but uh they wouldn't really get it you know so Unfortunately, I can't have those great discussions until I get a nice like uh, musician or something like that. But hey, you know it's uh, it's still sort of a fun thing to attempt to get them to understand. And some of them do take well to it, so it's all good. That's see now that's fun. Like I, I think that's one of the things I appreciate most about my job is I get to see people every day and kind of get some of those insights. Like I would have no idea what the six eight or whatever that means like as far as but i would want to know more like i i think that's what's cool like you get to talk to people too throughout the day so it's you get to go inside their minds you can get to pick their brains uh and just learn new things and i think that's what's just fun about being able to work with people is you get to learn from them not only uh just physically here like yeah so you can learn things there but just being able to chat with new people you get to go into um whatever it is that they kind of dive deep into because it's going to just show every time that you meet with them too. Oh yeah. And you know, like I think that's the most important part of this whole job is the fact that so much of your training, well, this is my own opinion, but like so much of your training gains and so much of your um, development that's going to come from uh, just you as a, as a client or you as somebody who who's in the industry or as, as a lifter or whatever is going to come from the things that you don't do gym wise. Like, all of your dis- the way that you pro- project yourself, or the way that you um, 
you know, just the, the ki- kinds of conversations, the things that you're inclined to doing or talking about, all those things in some way, even if it's in a very, very tertiary way, they feed into the kind of results. They'll talk a lot. They'll tell you a lot about the kind of person you are, and it'll even help somebody tailor their programming or the the delivery in which I will personally um, coach them, the way that I will explain things to them, the way that I will uh, cue them on an exercise and so on, like all those things. Once you know somebody and their their strengths and their interests and what they what sparks their interest the most and what what sort of gets them what gets their wheels turning, you know, then you can use analogies and different uh, forms of like imagery and so on that actually cater to to their needs or to the things that they're interested in. And it makes the whole dynamic between the two of you that much better. Right. And, um, you know, like, I, I just, I don't think that, I don't think that I'd be able to do this without having that one-on-one personal relationship with my clients, um, in first sort of in first place. I, I don't think that I could do this if I didn't have that experience working with clients in person. And uh, it's still my favorite thing. Some, I don't know what sparked what you were talking about there, but uh, I'm thinking back to your website and saying like you, you're just a fan of the visual arts. Like, uh, did you have a lot of like input then on your website or whoever helped you create it? Because I love the way that it looks. Like when it, there's very rarely like do I get to a website and it's just like you can just feel that person. You can get to know them through that. Like, did did that? Was there a lot that went into that for you? Okay, so yeah. Um... Now I'm glad that you say that because I get to plug the guy who I get to plug the guy who yeah, wrote the this website. It's, uh, it's a guy named Andrew Reed. Andrew Reed is uh, out in North Carolina, and he is uh, awesome web designer. Man, uh, he's he works with Endless. This is the name of his company, Endless Web Designs, and can't praise this guy enough. And the reason why is because I was probably the most frustrating client when it came to um, being the guy who needs who who wanted to get a website design done and who reached out to this guy and um it's funny because sean heisen over from men's fitness back when back when he was working with them he was the person who referred me to andrew and said you know he worked on my website and so i I looked at sean's website very very closely and i really liked it and i'd gone through a whole bunch of websites i was like you know i've got to find the designer who designed a website that i really enjoy looking at and so it was heisen sean's website was really really nice and so I was like, who's your designer? And he's like, yeah, this guy, Andrew, you got to check him out. Here's the, here's the link. And he gave me the, the uh, email connection. So we did, and I got in touch with him. And right from the get-go, I was just like, listen, I'm not going to be an easy client to work with because I am so particular about everything. Like, everything that you see there, like, literally down to, like, the final letter of the last page of the last detail of it, that was in some somewhere in some email that I write to him, this is exactly what I want. And the best part about it is that he was able to deliver on everything, you know, and it took a long time, but that finished product is like to the, to the letter, exactly what I was looking for by instruction. Right. So, um, you know, this guy put up with me for so much and he deserves like top praise for it because he can create a hell of a website and he did there. I really like the way that it looks as well. And I'm so pleased with the final product of it. And yeah, like this, what you were saying is exactly what I was um, going for in the sense of letting the 
personality kind of show through without even having to dig deep to find it right um the color scheme um the opening images um the ordering of the pages just everything um what what uh what photos that i use on the the second and third pages the marquees just all those things that i have implemented there um they sort of just they give you an idea of the kind of guy that i am the kind of trainer that i am the kind of writer that i am and uh yeah so i'm really really glad with how it turned out and yeah, I'm just I'm not. He's he's got a long term client in me, and he's got an every every man referral from me for sure. I'm gonna always be pumping that guy's tires. And I think that's important because one of the things you said earlier, like you're not you're not gonna be taking all the selfies and like posting that everywhere and doing this, but you have that one thing like, and it's solid, like it's a rock right there that you can stand behind, and you know everything on there is all about you. Uh, and it, it shows you to a T, which is awesome. And I think people sometimes will just like go for the flashy website or just like, hey, what's going to catch attention? But I've done, I've noticed this with really maybe only a handful of people that I've interviewed when I'm really just digging into the research, like looking at them more. It's like you just see them in the website. And I think it's just such a cool thing. So, I mean, he said big, big respect for Andrew for doing something like this because I think that is awesome. And I'm intrigued by somebody that can do that because I look at a website. I'm like, I, I have no idea. <laughs> like, I, like, you, like, say, like you said before, like I can tell you what I like, but I couldn't tell you where to put what here, this and that. It's like once it just looks right, like it looks right. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. Like he he also did an in, input with his own suggestions too. Like I had ideas. He said, you know, just for the sake of like this being flowing better with this why don't you place this here or why don't you word this like that instead? And it's, so he had his inputs because of his expertise in his, uh, in his field. It's, it was just like invaluable to making this website sort of like come together the way that it did. So his inputs were the worth the weight of gold, you know, and um, it was, it was really, really good that he was so interactive with me and uh, right on top of things. And I've had experiences with previous web designers and so on and uh, previous website companies that weren't, nearly the same and also tremendously overpriced for things you know it's like a car it's like car mechanics right like they rely on the fact that you don't know exactly what they have to do behind the scenes and they'll try to charge you all sorts of money for it when in really and truly they just have to flip a switch or something like that right and so um you know when you find a good honest mechanic or you find a really good honest web designer it just it makes you want to stick around and it makes you want to come back and it makes you want to say the things that i'm saying right now which are singing his praises um on as public a platform as i can get so uh yeah no i'm, I'm just uh, i'm glad that i was referred to him and uh he's got he's got a, a long-term client like i said before it's, he's really good all right well talking about web designers here we talked about uh like you brought up Eric Cressy, Tony Genocore before, like, if you had personal mastermind, call it five people, dead or alive, who are they going to be? Who are you bringing? You can just get them on speed dial anytime to just bounce ideas, questions, whatever it might be off of. Huh, for fitness, let's see. Um, it, Tony could be fitness, it could be fitness and otherwise. Like, you could pick, like, one or two in fitness. You can go outside of the realm, too. Or if you want to have, huh. like, a fitness one and then just an overall life one. Huh. Okay, um, so for fitness, I'd say probably, well, Tony Genocore, like, I just get along really well with that guy. So um, well, he'd definitely be on there for sure. And uh, our philosophies and our thoughts on fitness, they're usually almost 
identical to one another. And from what I've found from uh, conversations we've had and from uh, just readings that I've done and from stuff that I've shared of his and vice versa. You know, we're on the same page. We're on a level. So I, uh, I really like his stuff. So he'd be on there. Um, one of my most influential coaches that I've never even met before, but I've uh, read his books and I've read, read, watched his videos and, you know, like just so great basic information that's so straightforward and easy to swallow is um, Mark Ripto. I really, really like his stuff a lot, uh, you know, for the vein that he promotes, which is straight up strength training. You can't get any better. And, um, you know, I also really admire the way that he writes because he's a very, very matter of fact kind of person who has a great vocabulary when he wants to use it. And that is something that is special because he can make something complex seem very, very easy to understand and, um, be understood, be under, understood by like a, by like a five-year-old if you really wanted to. And that's great. You know, it's a great concept to be able to, to be able to do that. Um, so there's that, so that, that takes a lot of skill. Um, and I'm trying to think of who else, you know, I want to say Charles Poliquin's information because of just how much of it I have taken in over the last 10, 11 years that I've been doing this. And, you know, everybody's a bad trainer at the start. I'll say that everybody's a bad trainer at the start of their career. Their first year is usually nothing to speak of, you know, um, unless you've gotten some kind of like exception when it comes to the coaching or the, the, your, your immersion into the industry. But for most people who start out in the industry, they're not that good when they start out. And that was me too. You know, I was horrible. The stuff, the type of exercises that I was doing were ridiculous. I had, um, uh, I had, uh, I found that the the studies that I was doing in school weren't really applying to the real world. I found that, um, you know, the, the, the basic entry-level certification that I had at that time as well, it was really, really weak. It was it just meant for weak training methods that didn't really make too much sense when you really put things down to it. And when I was, uh, when I was just starting to learn, like from really from more experienced trainers who were saying, you know what, check out this book, read this from this website and check out this book and get this video and so on. You know, the, the Charles Poliquin just, it kept coming up, you know, T nation was full of Poliquin articles back in the early to mid two thousands as well. Right. And so I found that his were among my favorite articles that I had been reading. And like, you know, I just, you know, you, you read and you learn and you apply. And that's exactly what I did with a lot of his stuff. And his stuff works, you know, like he's a terrific coach and his information is, is very, very good. And he's got a track record that goes on and on and on for days as well when it comes to, uh, you know, the Olympians he's trained and the professional sports athletes he's trained and the power, like just everybody, right? So you can't knock it. You can't knock it. And for that reason, I'd have to put him on there. That would be a guy whose brain I'd like to pick for all sorts of different topics within fitness and nutrition and, and health and so on. So um, that would be another pick for sure. So I guess that's three. And, um, you know, I'd probably put somebody like, I'd probably put somebody who was more immersed in the sports-specific world as well, um, one sports-specific world as well in there. So, um, you know, I'm buddies with a guy, Matt Nickel, who is, uh, he used to be the strength coach for the Toronto Maple Leafs um, for uh, – about 12 seasons or so. And, uh, you know, he works with a lot of NHL athletes and, and, uh, a lot of, uh, business executives, but NHL athletes as well. And a lot of younger, um, sport athletes as well in, uh, in Toronto here. And so, um, he's anytime we sit down to talk, he's just a great, just a great in-person kind of like, how do I put it? Anecdotal 
experience just oozing with it. He doesn't really write anything or anything like that. He's not in that vein at all. He's just, he's a coach and he's a trainer and he speaks from pure experience whenever we have these discussions or have questions for him and so on. And um, it's, again, it's sort of that ripto effect where he will take something and strip it down to its just like its, its roots and its core. And then you're left not even having to ask the question anymore because of how simple the answer really is and how complicated we tend to make things, right? And um, that's what I like the most about him and people like him is um, just that ability to sort of just scale things back and, and dumb things down so that it's uh, applicable to anybody and it could be as simple as a yes or no answer once it comes down to it. So that would probably be my fourth one. And um, I'd probably go really old school for my fifth one. Maybe somebody like Arnold or somebody like um, Pavlov or someone like that, you know, um, anybody, maybe even like Tudor Bampa or someone like that, you know, just like a real founding father when it comes to their particular jurisdiction within the industry, whether it's bodybuilding, whether it's periodization and programming and so on. Somebody like that in order to just, uh, a see what they think about where things have gone to this day, uh, but also, you know, just to get those old school basics that sort of remind you that those things still work and there's no real need to make so many drastic changes from those things because people were still getting big and people were still getting strong People were still getting fast and people were still getting lean back in 1970. You know what I mean? And um, it's something that a lot of people tend to forget in favor of the deep science and the latest research and the new cutting edge technology and whatever else. And uh, it's never really been a huge bandwagon that I've been on, even though we try to stay current. It's never been something that I'm quick to jump on the next thing. Right. And um, I, I think that I'd find a lot of common ground with a person like that or with people like that just for that sake of the old school and, and just digging into their minds as to, you know, like with a guy like Arnold, like in the 70s, when you were training this way, what was your thought behind this? Like, did you know about occlusion training or about hypertrophy methods that you didn't know you were using right then and there? Right. Um, so it would be a good question. It'd be a good conversation, you know. So, yeah. When you said that. Uh, the, the way you went about thinking about that, like somebody who's kind of seen it, like been through it now, I immediately thought of actually Eugene Sando. So even oh, going yeah. back a little further and it's like, all right, a hundred plus years ago, like this guy's jacked to the gills, like super strong. And it's, you look at it, it's probably like you can name all of these methods that he was using today. Like, oh, oh yeah, we just put all these names to it. We've done all this research and he's just like, yeah, I, I know that's why I'm doing it kind of thing. You no, know, it always kills me when research is released, like to in this day, like today, the last year, whatever, like when research is released and it says, you know, now there's new studies to confirm or to strongly suggest that, you know, high volume training is great for muscular development and hypertrophy. And it's like, didn't we already do that and know that? Like, I mean, I just don't see the basis for having such solid research and evidence and all this extensive tests to... Like, we kind of knew that, right? And um, it's not to knock the, for the sake of science or the pursuit of science in the industry, but I do think that as a whole, the industry needs to take a step back and start realizing that this industry, as complex as it can be, it's also still painfully simple in terms of the methods to, to, to achieve a certain result, right? And the issue isn't so much about a deficiency or a lack of scientific evidence or, or scientific knowledge or whatever that's out there. It's more about the lack of being able to deliver, you know, effective methodologies to the public properly. That's number one. Um, having the skill to, to communicate those things. 
And yeah, just getting people disciplined enough to actually do them in a way that's that's realistic and that's not sort of over over the top, I guess, right? Because you know, if we get in, we get into a totally different conversation when we want to talk about uh, whether or not certain areas of fitness are a little overkill in terms of how hardcore they get, right? And um, you know, it's something I've spoken of and written on that ad nauseum. It's it's an, it's a growing problem in the industry, you know. Um, People, people really, really try to think that go hard or go home is the only way to do things, and it sort of, sort of excuses the fact that life is also a thing, right? Life happens, and life gets in the way, or sometimes somebody actually wants life to, to happen and wants a social life and so on. So you got to prioritize properly and think of things a little bit more balanced. I love how you said that because I, I'm thinking about it for my personally again here. It's like yesterday I got home. I was just like asking me if I could, or I was just trying to help her out because uh, she's home with the kids. It's like I didn't get to train yesterday, but you know what? I got to hang out with my family. <laughs> like we went for a right. longer walk. We took the dogs, like all this and that. And it's like life happened, but yeah. I'm still going to get over it. I'm going to be feeling good and I'm going to still love life uh, in general. So that's an excellent point to bring up and I think can so often become overlooked, especially when I'm not doing I'm not working out because it's my job to do so. Like I'm not a professional athlete. I'm not getting paid. I'm doing it because I enjoy it. Uh, I, I feel good doing it, but if I miss one once in a while, it's, it's not going to be the end of the world. Exactly. You know, and, um, it's something actually, I released a blog article this week and it was, there's a line in there that said like, it was something like, you know, it's not going to matter. Like what you PR on Tuesday or by Tuesday <laughs> is not going to matter compared to what you can lift 10 years from now or whatever, right? Like the amount of times that you get into the gym by 10 years from now is what's going to dictate your strength and your health and all that stuff way more. And, um, it's really true, right? Like, again, I'm going to say this for like the fourth time in this podcast, the test of time and lasting the test of time and the long haul is what this should all be about for anybody who's not getting paid to lift or train. Like it's that simple, right? And, uh, uh, if you're not getting paid to lift or train and it's not your livelihood, then you shouldn't be more than just, uh, you're, you're nothing more than a recreational lifter who's a hobbyist when it comes to having beyond normal goals. Like for example, slapping on a whole bunch of muscle when you don't really need to at the end of the day, you don't really need to, right? Um, getting ex ex exceedingly strong, you don't really need to, but people want to, right? And these are hobbies and these are recreational pursuits, you know? So from, from that point of view yeah it's healthy to set a goal in a certain timeline that you you hope to reach but if you don't reach it or if you miss a day or you want to change up your program midway through or you want to uh, modify your program because your shoulder hurts today or whatever it is that's fine and it's got to be some of the people sort of like pay attention to is that those deviations and that just general just we're humans too kind of thing that that matters a lot and it should weigh in a lot and I think that th that was I, I didn't see this article, but the way you just said that it's not about between now and Tuesday. It's between now and ten years. That Tuesday, like that's what's yeah. really going to make that difference for you. Exactly, you know. And um, like when somebody is like thirty years old versus what they, when they were twenty years old, they're probably going to notice a whole lot of things that they had to change in terms of making their training stay consistent and being able to still get in the gym and do their thing. I think about when I was twenty and the way that I used to work out because that was when I was just starting to really try to put on muscle in the right way, like. I hired a trainer. Um, I hired a trainer that I was paying to train me. He was a 
ex-powerlifter, ex-bodybuilder, ex-wrestler. And this guy was like 280 pounds, knew the ins and outs of hypertrophy and strength like no tomorrow. Really knowledgeable guy. And he pushed me. And I remember doing so many tri-sets, so many tri-sets that just blasted my conditioning and made me pack on so much size in a really quick time. And if I tried one of those workouts today with all of my lifting experience now, I would die in the first 10 minutes because my work capacity just isn't there. It's not that anymore. I'm not that young and I'm not that fresh. And, you know, you have different stressors in your life now compared to before. You have more responsibilities and you get less sleep probably than you used to when you were a kid. All those things are, are, are factors that are going to weigh in on the, the health and the efficiency of your nervous system even, right? So... Um, yeah, like just, I think about myself and I'm still a young person, but even the difference between being 20 or 21 and 30, that I, I noticed that difference, right? So now you can, now you consider the fact that many of my clients, the average age might be like 45, you know, and what they're feeling like, especially when they're not people who are already in shape, you know, these are people who let themselves might've let themselves go or let, let their conditioning go down, uh, go down and downward spiral over the last, let's say 20 years, well, what do you think that they're feeling when they wake up in the morning? What do you think? Uh, uh, what do you think the effort of doing one loaded squat for them would be, comparatively speaking, to what it takes for you to do so? You know, like all those different things. Like, you know, especially if you've been injured, then you're more cognizant of those kinds of like those kinds of efforts and how much that that can uh, affect somebody, right? And um, you know, I've had my share of injuries, so. Like even like doing like a kneel to stand exercise that's completely unloaded or being a guy with uh, or being a guy who was once much lighter and now is much, much heavier, personally speaking, and trying to do pull ups and know what that feels like on the shoulder capsule or trying to do body weight calisthenics and knowing what that feels like on just the general conditioning of a guy who's big. Right. Like you can't expect the same result that you feel or the, the same result that uh, an athletic person will feel or whatever for somebody who's not in that same, those same shoes as you. Right. And, um, that's sort of like a really, really big takeaway for a lot of like younger trainers that I'll talk to is that, you know, the Tabata method is a really great intense way to train and it's a good body weight, whatever. But now you get a guy who's ripped, jacked six foot five, 300 pounds, covered in muscle and you tell me he's going to do a tabata workout with squats push-ups lunges and another bodyweight exercise whatever it is you really think that he's going to make it through that like he'll be floored because of how much work that is for him and how hard his heart will have to work just to like it's it's not fair right you, you put him next to a guy who's 155 pounds and five foot seven who's going to get that, that guy's going to think it's going to no problem like it's not going to be a problem for that guy so you know, like just little things like that, they they matter huge when it comes to uh, thinking about training and how it affects people of different uh, of different body types, of different ages, of different backgrounds when it comes to their their exercise or sport um, and, and different levels of conditioning and so on. So um, it does definitely um, open your eyes to those kinds of things. And, you know, I try to stay I try to keep my eyes open with those kinds of things. And so I'm kind of glad that like a lot of the injuries and stuff that I did accrue over the time that they did happen because they, they teach you something and you try to learn from each one, even though it's a really crappy situation to be in. So Lee, in closing, I mean, we're coming up on our hour here. Actually, we're, we're over an hour, but where can everybody find more about you? We talked about the website, but if anybody's interested in either checking your workout, working with you, if you're in, you're in the Toronto area, right? If they, if they want to reach yeah. out to you. 
Yeah. So um, first of all, like uh, social media, like I just have my Facebook and I got my Twitter. And so it's uh, Coach Lee Boyce is both handles for both my Facebook and my Twitter. Uh, Facebook.com slash Coach Lee Boyce. Twitter at Coach Lee Boyce. And um, you can find me there. I'm always making sure to tweet at least one training tip per day when it comes to uh, when it comes to uh, Twitter. And, you know, whenever I see a movie, I'll tweet a review for that, too. <laughs> but outside <laughs> of that, it's all it's all training stuff. And my Facebook is uh, generally a public wall, but you can add me as a friend as well. But generally a public wall that has a lot of um, all of my articles that I've ever put up. This podcast will be on there as well. Um, everything is on there when it comes to the work that I do in writing and uh, in, in uh, the media and so on. So there's that. Um, I do a lot of TV work with Global News right now in Toronto, um, and that's actually aired nationally as well around Canada. So, um, yeah, you can always catch me on that as well, and I place all that stuff on my website too. And, uh, yeah, so my website's leeboystraining.com. I don't think we ever dropped the URL there, so that's what that is. And I have just a collection of pretty much all of the above. And on YouTube, I've got a lot of stuff too. If you just type my name in there, you'll find a whole bunch of stuff. And, um, you know, if all else fails, then there's Google. You just type my name in there and you find a million <laughs> things. And, um, yeah, so just try to keep that, try to keep that, uh, the train moving and keep the ball rolling with uh, putting out some content. And, you know, that's where I find, that's where people find me. And as far as in-person training, I do work in the downtown core. And, um, yeah, I'm just outside the finance district. So it's the heart of Toronto. And um, anybody who's looking for actual one-on-one -on -one training, that's exactly where they'd be able to find me. And uh, it's an easy way to reach me through the website or email me and whatnot to set something up. Right on, Lee. Like, hey, everybody reach out, connect, uh, and keep an eye out for December when uh, Star Wars comes out so we get the latest <laughs> review here then. But, Lee, thank you again so much for coming on. Uh, this has been a blast, and I appreciate uh, your take on, again, the long haul, just doing this because, hey, you want to keep doing this every day, forever, and just being feeling great doing so. So thank you for all that input. Thank you. It was great. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to head over to BarenakedHealthPodcast.com to check out the show notes for today's episode. While you're there, go to my calendar and schedule a 15-minute call so we can discuss what is your biggest struggle when it comes to maintaining your health. Remember that I'm a holistic lifestyle coach, and the show is sponsored by you guys. Each of you that I work with helps me to be able to put out podcasts like this for free, so thanks again for your love and support. Finally, if the show has helped you out in any way, please head over to iTunes to give the Bare Naked Health Podcast a positive comment and five-star rating. This really goes a long way in getting the word out with how simple health can be and helping to share the podcast with others, so thank you. Mm -hmm.